I'm saying the best is yet to come. This is like the best. This is coming off so good. This is the best year ever, we said. We're having a baby this year in a new chapter, in a new decade. You know, the church is pregnant also. Just because you don't see the baby don't mean it's not growing. (laughs) You know what I was thinking, Christine, when we are worshiping? I was just thinking, when we get some more people in here, we are going to light this place up because it takes a few to get many to start doing something. And y'all don't know. I've seen it before. And when God does it, you're going to see this place light up. I get it. I get it. When there's like 15 chairs between you, I get it. It's a little weird, but I don't see that. I see what's next. And God says, here's what's next. And so the the baby's in the womb. It's been in the womb for a while. Dear God, how long does nine months take? Sometimes three and a half years, sometimes a little corona mixed in there. Like babies take a long time to grow, to root. And if you just walked into adulthood, plug for my dad, uh, Adam had no childhood, remember that dad? If you just walked into adulthood, kind of like Adam did, life would be a little different. That's just a really good side plug there. My dad did a really cool study years ago, if you're ever interested, it's called Adam Had No Childhood. And I think that's the proper title. And I just thought of that. But um, I want to talk about something today that may seem counterproductive to the energy and excitement we're having. But the reason I think it's valuable today is because when, when, when tomorrow, you know, tomorrow everybody's taken off, it's all good. But when Tuesday comes and we go back to that other way, we want to remember how we felt right now. I mean, maybe I'm just going to preach this to myself today. I don't know if anybody else has bad days or has issues with the way they think when they first wake up and they want to complain about something. Does anybody else ever have like a, a, a worse thought before the better thought? when they first wake up and they got to talk to themselves and they got to preach to themselves and say, why are you doing that? Does anybody else do that? Or am I the only weirdo? I'm not, I'm not the only one. Good. So I want to read from the most inspiring passage of scripture in the entire Bible. And that is the book of Job. (laughs) That was a joke. Y'all don't know Job. What you know about uh, little, little T.I.? What you know about that? What you know? People are saying, no wonder the YMCA was closed today. It's a holiday. All these churches went online, but guess what? We're still here. We met. We met on the holiday. Like y'all don't know. You don't know. I'm saying like you did something so special today because you got yourself out of the bed. You put on whatever you wear out in the public and you walked into the building and that takes faith. Nobody made you do it. Nobody dragged you down the road. Jesus didn't show up and say, come on, get on the bus. We're going to the Jesus place. Let's go. And he didn't drag you here. You could have stayed home and just thought about the fireworks tonight that you're going to light up the the cul-de-sac with and take off all your neighbors. You could have been doing that, but no, you saved that for later. You've put God first. So pat yourself on the back. Come on, anybody online, pat yourself on the back for a minute. Come on, if you could. Nobody's patting. Come on, really, pat yourself. Come on, somebody pat. Okay, you're not flexible enough. Whatever. <laughs> Shoulder surgeries, Larry. I'm having flashbacks to all the twerking with the therapist. Oh, man. Throw, you know when you have, <clears throat> just a little side note, when you have a little injury and then they put the things in there to fix it, your arms get stiff and then they got to stretch it back out. And sometimes you got to throw up in the toilet when they're done because of the nerves. Oh, you get stiff, people. 
If you stay like this too long, you get stiffed, and God's trying to give you some physical therapy to let your spirit flow, because eventually, like, you can't move. I'm serious. You can just ask me. I've had surgery. Anybody's had surgery. Larry, we know about this. Anyway, back to the passage of Job, chapter 10, verse 1 through 7. How many know a little bit about Job? Okay, some people know that his name was not Job, but it's spelled that way. That's a good start. I agree it's weird. My wife would probably correct the grammar, whoever named him that way and pronouncing it because there's no E on the end. But Job had a pretty rough go in life. And we know, and how many know the end of the story of Job from the beginning? Like, everybody knows that, right? Like, everything was taken away from him. His life was horrible. God punished him. God took his children, his riches, his cows, whatever. He took his Traeger grills. He took everything, Mike. He took his Traeger. He took his Yoder. That's a bad day, especially on the 4th of July. He took it all. And, and so there's this period in between that nobody remembers, and that's how Job started looking at himself through the process, even though we know that Job has victory in the end because God actually chose Job because of his faithfulness because he knew that even though he almost folded, he didn't fold, he just almost did. But we're going to talk about today in the middle because eventually God restored everything Job had and then some, but we're going to talk about in the middle. Look to your neighbor, just tell him in the middle. It's in the middle is what you remember. It's in the middle is how you grow. It's not, it's not the end result of that baby that you remember. That's good too. But I bet Michelle remembers the process of getting the baby there, yeah? You remember the sleepless nights and the stretching and the funny pillows to prop the belly and all the weird stuff. It's in the middle that causes the result to be worth the wait, okay? So we're going to chapter 10, verse 1 through 7. Job is talking to God here. Excuse me. He says, and I'm going to use Job's tone because he called and said, this is how I said it. Get it right. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me? To spurn the works of your hands? Everybody knows what spurning is, said no one. While you smile on the plans of the wicked, I'm the good one, God. What you doing to me? That's what he's saying. Do you have eyes of flesh? I thought you were holy, Lord and can see bigger than this. Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal or or your years like those of a strong man that you must search out my faults and probe after my sin? You know what probing is? You probe a chicken with the the thermoprobe. You probe something to see if it's got feeling. It's like, it's irritating. It doesn't hurt you. It just annoys you and brings you down and is slightly uncomfortable. Verse seven, verse six again, that you must search out my faults and probe after my sin. In verse seven, though you know I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand. He's asking God, like, what's the deal? What is the deal? I have done everything right and you're letting me suffer like this? It's not right. 
And I loathe. You know what loathe means? It means I disgust my life. I dislike it. That's what he's saying. I disgust. I'm in pity. Right now my life is horrible. Therefore, I shall complain, he said. He said, because of how I feel and because of how I see it, I am justified to talk to you this way, Lord. And I am justified to think my life sucks in disgust. Excuse me. Can I, can I bring it up to 2021? That's how we would hear it. That's how we'd hear it, wouldn't we, if we're talking about it today? We don't say loathe, we say that. And so, so his perspective is maybe not the best, but it's him honestly crying out to the Lord. The title of today's message is Trained to Complain. Trained to Complain. And man, if the pastor wanted to really change the mood, he sure did that. Good one, PJ. Trained to complain. Does anybody know anybody like this? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Maybe when you look in the mirror, you go, yeah, I do. That's me. Oh, that's not good. That's, I'm looking at me. So this morning, I have this routine. Don't mess with my routine. Okay. I'm going to go back to my Job voice so you can really get this. My routine is I wake up at 6.30, sometimes 6 if they really need extra help. If Nate's running short on the setup, I'll get up at 6 a.m. And today was 6.30 a.m. And so I got to have coffee before I can think and start going over my thoughts for God's word to teach the people. Okay? And so, and so one thing I do is I trim my notes. I don't like big pieces of paper, so I trim them. And because I have a problem eating in the middle of the night, and it's Michelle's fault because she wants to leave cookies on the table... She wants to leave cookies on the table, and while I'm pregnant, the baby's hungry. Said no one. The baby didn't say that. It's her fault that those cookies are on the table, so she has to lock the pantry at night, or I'm going to get up and eat them. And so, so she locks the pantry, and by the way, that's where they keep the scissors to cut up the notes. You think I'm joking? <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> So I'm looking for some scissors, and, and I remember there's a cabinet, and all the good scissors are gone because my five-year-old swapped the good scissors with a little child five-year-old scissors and put those in the cabinet when I wanted the man scissors, and she had those in her room because that's safe. We have the power of the Lord in our house protecting us. So the, so the deadly ones were gone and the baby ones were there and it might cut if I like, you know, sharpen it with some, some hot branded flame burning fire to, to make that little scissors dull enough so I get, don't get the jagged edge. So I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't give up my scissors, God, because, because Michelle bought those cookies. And so then I told her to lock the pantry for the last three and a half years, which still doesn't work when she doesn't lock it. I still have a problem going into that thing like a zombie at one hour after bedtime. And it's just everybody's fault, you know? And then, and then, and so, so then, then I go to break the, make the coffee and the same five-year-old, I just love her. She just takes, she takes the stool because she's so short and she puts it everywhere all over my house. And I keep tripping on that thing. So I go to make coffee. You think I'm joking? I'm going to make coffee and I'm breaking ankle. Where's the security at my house? Because a stool, because she needs a stool to put the scissors up in the thing, you see? You see how it's a domino effect? And then she just, I just love her so much. She's, she's such a waster. Like, if you want a kid that wastes a bunch of food, you can, you can borrow mine if you want to burn through some, some food that you could have gave to somebody actually in need. 
I mean, my little turkey, she's got, she's got half-eaten Lay's chips at seven in the morning and a half-drunk uh, yogurt pouch. And what else does she do in the morning that's not good food-wise? Ch- chips. Chips is our go-to breakfast. Isn't that the American way? But, but she don't even eat the chips. She just leaves the bag open on the family room floor with her blankie, all her stuff, and I can't stand the crumbs in the blanket. That's sick. Sick. And so all this goes through my head, and I don't know about you, but you can quickly forget the good things because you wake up ready to see the same thing that you saw before, and it becomes a habit, and, and I do this, and I'm preaching to myself, and I hope you leave here going, it was a good day, I'm excited for the 4th of July, and you're not like, what did he do to me? But that's just the tip of the iceberg. And like when I'm working, I come out of my office and you get so used to, you know, fussing at tripping over a toy or something. You say, you just like clean this house. You know, you just tell the five-year-old to clean the house like she's going to do a good job. And then you're mad when she doesn't. You throw an eight-year-old in there because that's going to make it better. And he loses everything. So just the, the problem gets worse. But anybody else like get in the, like they get in a roll with this? And then they have their coffee, and then they start feeling a little bit of the caffeine. They go, okay, I still love them. (laughs) Just kidding. I love them, no matter what, as their dad. But, but like, does anybody ever get in this? Like, um, it's all little things, right? It's not like some big monumental thing, but you wake up, and it, like, kind of starts as your routine, if you let it. And then what happens the next day? It gets a little easier, and then all of a sudden, it becomes like a habit, like you're training your mind to do something, kind of like Job. Maybe it's not you. Have you ever been around somebody? And <laughs> this is great. And all they do is speak ill of their life, like Job. And when they run out of things to say about their own life, what do they do? They find an issue with somebody else's life. Anybody else know this? Anybody else felt this? Come on, come on. You're like, it's me. I can't talk because I'm shamed. No, I'm kidding. It's all right. We're all in this together, guys. We're all in this together. But they run out of like a thing to bring down. And once they really run out, they start over. Then they tell you the same thing again. They just like go in a circle. That's kind of where Job was. Do you ever feel like, Job, that maybe something happened to you? And perhaps you're living in a season right now that feels unfair I mean, he's, he's, he's ticked. He's upset at God. And he's, right, he's letting him know how he feels. It's unfair. Like you're at the bottom of God's favorite list in that season. But it's a circumstance, and that's something we have to face in our walk with Jesus. And Job, the, the problem with Job is he got himself in a place where his perspective changed. That was the danger in it. It wasn't even what he was dealing with. It's that his perspective changed on his view of God and God's favor for him. Because of the problems, he started viewing God differently. And that happens. And that's the devil's lie. That happens. It became dangerous because he shifted into this place of self-deprecation. Now, let me remind you, he says, I loathe my life, therefore my complaint is valid. So what he's really saying is, and this is what everybody is really saying, is when they really have an issue with you, they're saying, I have an issue with myself. And that maybe we've trained ourselves up to have so many issues with ourselves that now all we do is project that to somebody else. And so, so Job's saying, it is ultimately the disgust I feel in my own self. 
It's so encouraging. It's the, it's the most encouraging word this year. He no longer saw, saw him how God saw him. He saw himself based on how he felt in the moment. And I can't say that I would do any different. It'd be hard not to be bitter like Job in the situation he was in. But as a pregnant church goes, you don't know the end from the beginning when you're in the middle. That's where faith comes in. So God knew where Job would go next and what happens when God restores Job, but Job only felt what was in the middle. So sometimes you're judging God's behavior for the end when you're really just feeling what's in the middle of the process. And the process has to take place to bring the baby to fruition, to bring the change to fruition. One season leads to the next. Your flesh may feel frustrated today or Tuesday, but don't let your perspective shift the direction of your outcome. That's really what we're saying here is that if you've got to go through it, go through it and be glad and give praise in the process because if you shift your your perspective, you'll start going down a different road than God was taking you along through that process. So what is your training regimen? What's your training regimen? Anybody train something? Derek, I bet you were dedicated on the drums to learn the drums to play like that. He's solid. Does anybody like the drums? You have to say yes, but of course. But there's a training regiment to how you became a professional drummer. And he's, he's just taking it easy. Y'all don't even know what he can really do when he puts on the full makeup and does the old Kiss tribute band thing. You ought to see him, Dad. You, you, you just tell him, go change your clothes right now. I can see it. He, do, he does the, the Kiss tribute. He used to do the Kiss tribute band, and he dressed up like the drummer from Chris, Kiss. Remember Kiss? The like, eight-foot-tall guys, and, and it, was, it was cool, and it was scary because I'm like, is that Derek? And um, he's just so good. But the training regiment is what got you to being good. And just like the training regiment to get you out of college and get you through school and get you through hard times, it can, it can do good for you if you're focused on the good. If you let it train yourself into a bad perspective, it can hurt you. It can hurt you. It starts with this. God uses this for a reason because there is power in this. And you can be the softest person in the world and do the most damage. I have seen some ruthless people who talk really soft behind your back. And they talk really soft about what you're not good enough at and their complaints, and their thing, and they're trained to complain softly. So you can be really soft and cynical. You can say it really sweet, but it'd be a poisonous thing. Like, there's, there's, there's a thing with our mouths that God wants to show us that I'm passionate about because it's so fundamental that if how we communicate with each other and to God, look at Job, if, if, if we train that up in a way that is so inspiring, so encouraging, what can God do? But if we only bring complaints, we are restricting it back to what it only can't be because of X, Y, Z. Are you with me? We are limiting God and putting him in a box when we restrict him with complaint. We're saying it's not enough. You can't do it. You won't do it. It's not enough. But I don't know that Job was yelling to God in this moment. He might have been just whispering. And you can be really soft and cynical. And so much damage can be done with a soft whisper.
just a whisper. It matters. It matters. Does anybody use social media in here? Nobody does. Come on, y'all. It's all right. I know you do. Well, except Nalani. And praise you, girl. That's a great trait. I wish I wasn't stuck on it either, but it's the church's fault. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're marketing the church, you know. No, but seriously, social media is a perfect example. Do you feel very inspired when you leave the news feed most times? Or is it kind of like, depends on the day of the week. And sometimes you just feel disgusted when you left. You loathe what you saw because you saw so much negativity. You know what that does? That's part of your training regimen. I heard a good quote once. It said, wait five minutes before you respond to something. Because your instinct is to respond off emotion. But if you wait the five minutes, which I, I wait 30 seconds, that's long for me. No, I'm kidding. I have learned to think more about before I reply because sometimes faster is not always better. You have a moment to let God back into the conversation because we can, we can scoot right past God with our complaint when we're responding instantly. That's emotion talking. Some of the greatest things Michelle's ever said to me was emotion talking. It wasn't really, and that was a joke, when we've got into arguments, we do get into arguments. Do people argue in the church? Do people have arguments with their spouses, brothers, sisters? Does anybody else ever get in arguments or disagreements or just, just disagreements? Like, I wish, I wish our disagreements could be so gentle, Christine, but I'm just not, I'm not able to figure out how to do that. It gets like an argument. Like, no, I don't think so. See you later. You know, like, like it gets ugly because we let our emotions start driving. But if we pause in our responses to each other and to the world and in our Christian conversations and in our witnessing and in our prayers to our own Father in heaven, we may remember that he's in it and he wants you to succeed. Job thought he left him. He said, I chose you. I chose you because I knew you could do it, is what he told Job. That's special. And how much opposite is it than what Job thought? It's completely opposite of what Job is thinking here. You see how foolish Job is in this moment? It's all emotion. What is your training regimen? He says, therefore, I give free reign to my complaint. He's justifying why it's okay one thing I did not like about church growing up was the conversations I'd experience after, just from people. Like, I thought it was normal. Like, you just, like, and I'm not talking about just in, like, in my household. I'm talking about like just people I knew, church in general. You go to church, and then you go home, and everybody talks about during the week of the issues. I thought, that doesn't make me feel good. What am I training for? And by then, some of them are serious professionals. They've trained to be the best at that. They call it gossip. Tailbearing. It's not scriptural, but we've trained culturally. That's the, that's the church thing to do. I didn't see God write that. What are we training for? What is our training regimen? Are we justifying? Why would God justify negativity? Because just like a bad seed in the garden, what kind of fruit comes from it? Thorns. So when you're planting a seed, and this week, and I'm preaching to myself, and when I wake up and I want to kick that little folding thing because it's junk anyway, and it's going to make me trip my ankle, I might think for a second, maybe she's learning something. 
you're going to think I'm the most like tyrant dad. I really am a loving dad, but I'm just being real with y'all that we all have these moments. And, and so, so maybe this week when I'm going to go out and first thing I'm going to do is fuss at Taz because his room's a wreck, just like it has been the last, well, his whole life. <laughs> maybe I'll stop and go, you know what? It's not going to change. We'll just put him in the basement because the baby's getting the the room anyway. Then we'll clean it then because it's telling him over and over he's not fixing it. Maybe I need to try something new. Maybe if we evaluate how we've been communicating and seeing and what kind of results are coming from it, and if after a while we say, is this even bringing anything good? Is this changing anything? Is Job's petition to God changing anything in this moment? It's not. God's just showing him, though, through the process that he didn't leave. Just like Job, it's just a season. Corona was just a season. Well, this, well, that. Sometimes you just got to look past it and live life anyway. I'm no longer to determine what season's next by what season I'm allowed to proceed into. I'm going to say, God, bring me the next season that you shall have for my life because that's the target. That's where I'm headed. That's where you're headed. You're headed towards the target that God set up from the beginning. And that's what he did for Job. And that's why he did it to Job, because he knew Job would persevere even in his barren state of mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's like a hook in your mouth. You can get to the bottom and God just pulls you back out because it never leaves. He never leaves. He'll let you hit the bottom so you can remember he's still there and we still need him. Every season's change. And I wonder, and I didn't jump ahead here. This is a big book. The book of Job is huge, but I kind of wonder if when Job first was renewed by, uh, restored from all the things he lost, how his mood was. It was probably good. Probably in shock. Kind of like when you try for a baby and nothing happens and then all of a sudden one shows up. It's kind of like you're in shock. And you're like, no, it can't be. And then you start finding a reason for the doctor to give you bad news when you go for the first visit that you're expecting the worst. Isn't that sad? Because you're training yourself for the worst. You're training yourself in, in complaint, in, 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 in negativity. In all. You could use any any adjective you want. You're training for the worst. One thing that irks me as a pastor is when someone comes up to me and has an issue because we want it to grow in this place. We want to grow. We believe God's doing big. A healthy church is a moving gospel, touching lives. And when they restrict it, it's not because they don't really want it to grow. It's because they don't know what it looks like to go beyond what they've seen. And so if they don't know how to go beyond what they've seen, they tell you why. Well, you know, seed, seed, seed. It's complaining and it's it's saturating your garden. And if you let that in, you can start believing that. And guess what you start getting? Weeds, weeds in the garden. God wants you to spray some spiritual roundup today and get the garbage out of the garden. You want to bear fruit. You got to quit poisoning the fruit with the same thing as last week. You know, like it's not like some revelation, like big thing that, that, that planted in your garden. It's the same junk you've been letting in for 20 years. When does it stop? 
When does it stop? I'm preaching to myself. God did this thing to me in my late 30s. And it took, it actually took through part of the church period and like all these things to show me some things I was not letting go of as a person. And it was really restricting me from being free into the next season and able to handle the next season. And so that's what you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to choose is, am I going to, am I going to train myself up to live restricted by only what I've seen and not let God actually take me somewhere that's so much bigger than my senses can define. I maybe can't smell it this way, but I can smell it in the spirit. And I maybe can't see it with these, but I can see it in the spirit. And God says, when you push the plow long enough through the fields and I've taken away all the harvest, nothing's growing. The grass is dead. There's nothing rooting up but you're pushing the plow. Anyway, God says, I'm going to do something to your spirit, in the spirit, and in your spirit, you will know the difference. And that's why you will keep going. Are you getting this? This is spirit talk. This isn't just what you see here. If I define this process, my life, my, my success, everything by just what I could feel and see, I would be a failing person as far as my goals go. We can't limit to that. Ben, you're a pilot. I bet you there's some faith in those plane rides because no matter what, at the end of the day, God's in control. Now, there's some really good tools, but at the end of the day, I bet you Ben never forgets that God's in this. Am I right? Because there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture to it all than the weekly things, the weekly stool, the weekly kid scissors, the weekly fun size chips that got wasted again. What about them growing up and missing you? What about them growing up and you missing the experience because you're focused on the chips? Guilty, says 10 years later, there's Chloe my Lord, we're starting over. I said, God, I don't want to do it the same. I want to do it better. This time, my other daughter is going to be 21 when I have a 10-year-old. I got another chance at a 10-year-old. Am I going to do it better or am I going to forget everything because I'm focused on the chips again? Like, like I'm saying, like for real, we can be Job daily and hide it really good with a soft whisper. Good to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And then on the inside, you know, is it just me? Anybody? <laughs> Thank you, Christine. The good news is even seasons change. And that's where your decision comes into play. Job's season was for a moment, but how did Job react when the season finally changed? There's people so trained up to live in a way that is limited and imprisoned and living with shackles on them. I know some of you know what I'm talking about right now because I know how you do and I know how you feel. And you're, you're, when, the, when God opens a gate and hands you the keys, you won't take it. You won't put it in a shackle and break free. And God says, when the season changes, it's time to go. It's time to to grow. You got to grow out of it. You got to change if you want it to change. Is the quietness good or is it, is it not resonating? Are y'all feeling this? Is it resonating? You step by step. It's not easy. You got to fight for it. So nobody handed you a cup of patience and said, here's your cup of patience today. If that worked for me, man, I'd be the most patient man. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep Amazon in business with all their, their melaton supplements and all the different things. You can try the little dissolvables. Everything's so good. Like, if it was that easy, you got to fight for it sometimes. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to see it change? 
Like everything about, like if it's something, everything, like if my, if my family has an issue, if, if your wife or spouse or children has an issue, you're going to do anything you can to fix it, no matter what. That's how God wants you to view him, no matter what. And even though Job was slipping because he was flesh, God knew he was going to persevere through it. And there'd be glory on the other side. The glory on the other side never leaves because God's at the end of the road. He's at the end of the path. Will you crawl out of the hole that Job is in when God says, the season has come and the season has gone, and now I'm restoring you to something bigger and better than you've ever even fathomed? What will you do? What will you choose? It's a choice. God, I just want you to change me. Okay, here you go. Here's a choice you can make. I'm not saying it'll be easy. Let me just tell you, says the Lord, it's not going to be easy, but if you stick with me, I will bring you through it. You have my word. It is my founding principle. As a dad who loves you, I will never steal that from you or break your heart, says God. Stick with me. <laughs> Does anybody know of someone like really spiritual? Like anybody? Nobody, nobody knows anybody spiritual. Well, this is just, uh, happy 4th of July, guys. Let's go shoot some fireworks. I'm kidding. I'm going to pull a job here. Um, spiritual people can really complain a lot. Did you know that? Like, you can look like you have the, oh, King James, KJV, 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 Halo, Halo, Halo. But the real Halo is the one with the gun in the video game, you know? Like, like it's not always what it looks like. You can be really good at complaining and be a professional spiritual person. You know why they're so spiritual? Because usually they're preaching to themselves because of all the problems. Can I just say? I'm guilty of it. The more you show, the more God's done inside you. And that's a good thing. That's a witness. We're witnessing through our struggle, and that's what we need to do to witness. But just because you've, you've been touched by God and just because you've seen God do something good in your life doesn't mean that God abandoned you now that you're having to fight through something a little bit harder, like another paper. How many citations? I'll just take a B. I mean, I don't know how to format, Allison, the Chicago-style SBL proper footnote in these papers. I'll take a B. I'm okay with it. High school, I was like a D minus, so B's good. I'm good with it. I don't have issues with school. <laughs> no, I'm part of the uh, Jake's Divinity program, and um, I'm about halfway through. Come on, I, I could have flunked out the first class. I'm about halfway, and uh, thankfully, they're very patient, kind people because <laughs> they gave me good grades. What were they thinking? <laughs> Uh, hopefully they're doing church right now, not watching online. But every season <laughs> changes. So Job had the choice when restoration came. What will I choose? Will I choose to stay barren or am I going to start bearing fruit? I have a person that likes to come to my house. <laughs> and they don't like that our blinds are shut in our kids' rooms. Do you know who I'm talking about? Michelle does. Well, that's crazy. And so what do they do? They go in the room when we're not looking. They try to open the blinds anyway. 
Hey, how you been? It's so good to see you. I really missed you. It's been a year since I've seen you. I love you, by the way. Hey, congratulations on the baby. It's going to be such a blessed life. Why are the blinds closed? Instagram, reality. Instagram, hey, what's up? Reality, why are the blinds closed? <laughs> Anybody ever felt something like this? Can I talk about this? I'm just saying it's someone we know. That's all. They live far, far away in another part of the world. They're from Indonesia. They take a jet once in a while, and they pop in, and they, they complain about the blinds. But sometimes it's good to open the blinds. We call them shutters. Like, these are blinds. And sometimes God's actually wanting you to open your blinds. Let some light in. Like, how dark does it have to be before mold starts growing? You know? Like, let some light in. Like, well, that's just the way I know. I like it dark. Well, you like it dark because you're used to it being dark. Now, I don't like my kids' blinds open because it wakes them up in the morning, but I'm saying in spiritual sense, sometimes we should open the shutters, get some light in there because we never let the light in. We're only used to darkness, and then we wonder, why do I stay this way? It's because God's saying, open the blinds, you know? So I'm just saying you might try it, but make sure you decide to open the blinds. Don't let nobody else open your blinds for you. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) What is your training regimen? Is this working? Are y'all getting this? Are you getting this? Is this, is this producing good fruit in your garden? Good. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. It's all I got. It's the Lord. Lord, why would you give me this word? It's so transparent and honest, and I just want to feel good all the time. He says, in order to feel good, you got to know how to get the bad seed out of your garden. You can't feel good when you're carrying around garbage. Get the trash out of the... How nasty would the trash in the garage be if you never took it to the dumpster? You ever leave the lid open in the summer? What happens? It reeks. Got to empty it. If you don't empty it, what happens? It penetrates the garage. Soon it starts coming in the back hallway and everything stinks. And you're like, what is that God awful smell? It's the trash because you won't take it out. You can't live for a month in 100 degree heat. It's gross. So that's a great spiritual illustration is what I'm trying to say that sometimes you got to take out the garbage. You got to take it out. You got to empty it out. Get it out so something new can grow. Good good things can't grow around trash. They can't grow around dead things. They can't grow around a field that's barren. But God's got all the seed in your life underneath the surface trying to penetrate through the the soil. It's germinating today. It's germinating in this church. Oh, it's amazing. It's germinating in your life. But you got to decide, am I going to let the seed sprout? Am I going to let the seed sprout? If y'all could stand this morning on this 4th of July, I want to give you a little more. Can I give you just a little more? If you reduce God to the limits of your own understanding, you'll always fall short. Always. Because the best way God does it is the way you'll never plan it. You'll never expect you to go over there. That wasn't part of it. That wasn't the path I drew on the paper in my mind of control. God says, I'm going to chicken scratch your plan. If you want my plan, it's going to look a little different. And so, so that's a humbling thing, and that's, that's, that's not easy to do. But if you do it, God will take you to it. If you do it, God will take you through it. If you do it. Do it anyway. Do it when you feel it. Do it when you don't. Do it when it hurts. Do it when you're excited. 
do it when you're mad and do it when you're glad. Do it. Just like Nike. Just do it. This is how he pulls Job into restoration. He rescues who? Let him rescue you. You got to let him rescue you. What should we do? He should rescue me. I want you to rescue me out of this way of thinking. I want to break this regimen and start something new. I want to train a new way so that when I feel this good on the 4th of July, I feel this good on July 6th because I know normally I'll find an issue with July 6th, but July 4th is good because I have barbecue. You know, like how petty, right? But if God made the heavens and the earth and he closed the, he closed the birds of the air and the trees and the branches and all these things, you're going to have an issue on Tuesday? Come on, he's bigger than that. He's bigger than what you see. He's bigger. And so the zeal grows in those moments of recognizing he's bigger. He's bigger. And he wants to pull you out of that. It starts with this. How are we training Let's take it back to the basics. We're training with this. The Bible says the power of death and life are in the tongue. It doesn't say I'm going to cut you with a real sword. It says I'm going to cut you with my words. And what we speak, there is power, power of life and death. So you can bless someone or you can curse someone. You can get mad in the car like I did the other day with Mike riding with me. I got mad in the car somebody and I'm the pastor of a church. Or I can say bless that young man because he doesn't even know yet that God is trying to do something bigger in his life. See, we can all fall back, but you can bless it or you can curse it. You can be generous or you can be stingy. You can try to keep it all and lose everything or you can give it all up and gain the world. Do you know that scripture? Jesus says, if you give it all, you'll gain the world. If you hold on, you'll lose it. Such is the kingdom of heaven. God didn't abandon Job, and he's not abandoning you through this process. Stick with him. Try it different. Do it different. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do it different. I am going to do it different. I'm going to do it different because I want to see a change. God will do it. You got to grab his hand and do it together. God can't free who won't put down the shackles. And God has given you the key today to be free from the shackles. He's given me the key today to being free of doubt and worry. And what about this? And what about this? And he says, don't worry about it. You're preaching the word. Just keep doing it. That's all that matters. God said, God said, don't worry about the job. Don't worry about if you got enough. I gave you enough and more that you should be able to multiply that thing and feed so many with just a little and have leftovers. Why are you doubting me? He says to Job. So I don't know if you know somebody like that or if you're looking in the mirror today and you're saying, I'm Job because I sure know what Job feels like in that sense because I can be like that. And I'm choosing today. It's a choice and it's a fight. No one's going to give it to me on a silver platter. I'm going to fight for it and take what is mine because God said it's better and it's bigger. So if you keep going, you're going to see it. Y'all with me? Let's pray and let's get out of here and go do some great things today. But let's remember this moment. Let's remember how that worship felt at the beginning of the service. Let's remember the energy that God wants to flow through your veins all during the week. Because when he see, when you flow like that in front of people, they're going to say, oh, my Lord, I got to see and feel that. That's what witnessing is. So we're going to do it. God, we thank you today that we got to worship when the world was closed. We got to 
come in the YMCA when the doors were locked, but you said nobody can restrict my house. So if you want to worship, we're going to worship. And so we're thankful, God, that you allowed that. And we know that you're doing something bigger that only the world can say, I don't get it. I'm going to leave my jaw hanging open when they tell me because when you reveal what you've been doing in the womb, you're going to do something so big that the world will be speechless when they're left. And that's coming. And we know it's coming. So we're going to keep preaching the fire of your word, God. We're going to keep witnessing and being dedicated and showing up. When the world's sleeping, we're going to be ready like a thief in the night that you're coming to get your people. And we're going to witness that. And if the house of God can say it together, in Jesus' name, amen.